1: Hey there, and welcome to the Feed, Feed podcast. I'm Alexa Santos. The Feed Feed is the world's largest crowdsourced food publication and social media community serving as your daily source for what to cook, bake, eat, and drink. Here on the podcast, we are speaking with members of the hashtag Feedfeed Feed community to hear their stories, learn about their culinary inspirations, and get some of their best cooking tips. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Lauren Bodden. Lauren is a founder, recipe developer, culinary producer, and private chef based in New York City. She's also been a food stylist and food editor. She recently competed and won Netflix's newest cooking competition, Snack vs. Chef, which pushed her to launch her very own snack brand, Snoods, a.k.a. Snack Noodles. So, Lauren, we have so much to talk about. There's so much (laughs) here to unpack. Um, (laughs) I'm very anxious to hear more details about all of this. So, I guess let's start from the very beginning, I guess, where did you grow up and what kind of early culinary influences did you have in your life to send you down this path?
3: Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Um, I grew up in Florida. Um, It's something that I don't always like to admit to people, but in (laughs) in Tampa.
1: Oh, okay. I I grew up in Fort Lauderdale, and that's where I am right now. That's where I live. (laughs) Amazing. So, yeah, I guess Tampa, keep that one close to your chest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I would
3: say my grandmother was a huge influence for me when when I was growing up. She literally made everything from scratch. Um, At the same time, I feel like it was a big Food Network era. I feel like a lot of people that are my age that – came into the culinary realm, it's like, oh, well, I just watched Food Network and became obsessed with cooking through that way. Um, So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's anything revolutionary or I had anyone that was like this exceptional cook by any means, but I just, I got infatuated with kind of the feeling that I had when I was around my grandmother in her kitchen and she was just making all like bread from scratch and everything. And then when I would go home, bake something and bring it to friends and the way that they would interact with the food, it was just very captivating for me. Um, and I just, I wanted to attend culinary school right out of high school, but my parents were very much like, no, you need, we should get a degree first just in case anything happens. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of left that dream. Uh, I was a journalism ma- major for a bit, a sports management major. And then it kind of came back to that original feeling of food. Uh, I took an internship in London and I wanted to pay for it in some capacity. And my professor was like, how about we do a research project. What are, what are you interested in? And I was like, well, I, I don't know if this is weird, but I just, I love food. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so it kind of, that's where things took off from there is I then did this research project where I had to launch a blog. Blogs were really big at that point. Instagram had literally just come out. Um, and so because of that, I had a lot of local, I went to school at SMU in Dallas, um, a lot of like local blogs that wanted me to then write for them. And it just kind of spiraled into all of these other opportunities. Um, yeah, and so from there moved to New York to work in food, um, and I feel like I've done so many things within the industry, but at the same time, they've all kind of worked together to get me to where I am today.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, well, not to weird you out, but I feel like we literally are have lived parallel lives. I also was <laughs> a journalism major, and I also was a food editor uh, at the Feed Feed, and I feel, and I also moved to New York to pursue. <laughs> So it's very funny kind of hearing that. I feel like you're my, you know, my twin flame out there in the world who had like the same life as me. And like also a lot of what inspired me to get into food was watching Food Network growing up. And like, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 29. So it was like that era of like Emeril Lagasse and Rachel Ray and like the old school Iron Chef and just these things that were so, so inspirational. And I feel like when you talk to other people who – maybe weren't as into that and it just they don't really get it but that was so formative for us just to kind of have those inspirations from such a young age and yeah so it's very funny how much we have in common so <laughs> pretty crazy honestly um nah, I'm a so
3: 90s baby as well I'm, I'm okay perfect. Just, I would say I just turned 30
1: <laughs> okay yeah I turned 30 in May so we're basically the same person again in that amazing, way. yes <laughs> So what were like, what is your family background when when you were mentioning your grandma making from scratch, making food from scratch? What type of food was that?
3: I mean, it's very like middle America steak and potatoes. I feel like that's it's funny. That's my mom's side of the family uh, is from Ohio. And it's it's very much that we I will have actual fights with my extended family around the holidays because I'm not trying to dig them by any means, but they like their steak very much like almost like burnt cooked to the yeah. point where I'm like, this is embarrassing. We never need to tell anyone else that our family does this. Yeah, um, my immediate family is not like that, but um, yeah. So then I had that aspect and then my dad's family's actually from the Cayman islands. And so that was just completely different. My, I would go into my granny's kitchen and she'd be making turtle soup the same week where I'm having save the turtles uh, in fifth grade. <laughs> just oh my God. Traumatizing.
1: <laughs> Oh boy.
3: Yeah. So I, I got a lot of different, um, you know, like cultural aspects from, from everywhere. And I wouldn't say, um, yeah, again, like I, I didn't have this like profound culinary person within my family that just made these like insane meals, insane creations that I was like growing up in a restaurant by any means, but it was just people that were genuinely interested in food. And so it was more so just like this way that food, you know, unites people and it makes people interested about different aspects of culture and everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, totally feel that as well. Like my, my mom's side of the family is British and Jewish. So, you know, it was kind of the same thing, like meat and potatoes, like shepherd's pie, nothing really like too crazy, yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I totally feel you in that regard. So you got that journalism major and then did you go to culinary school after that? Or when did you kind of start really honing in and being like, this is what I'm doing?
3: Yeah. So when I, I basically had someone um, that was my internship Manager in college. So I was like, if you're interested in food, you you have to move to New York. Like, that's where Mm -hmm. you need to be. And so, literally, like a week after I graduated, I just packed my bags, went to New York. I went for a paid internship that was by no means uh, like centered around culinary, but it was just a means for me to get to the city. And then within a month, I found a job at WaxF Worldwide, which is a like really big PR marketing firm within the um, hospitality industry. Um, I did that for a couple of years. And honestly, like after the first year, I was like, I hate this so much. <laughs> this is just, this is not what I want to be doing. Um, and it just, yeah, it didn't feed into any aspect of, of kind of like things that I was interested or wanted to be doing. And it literally just took, I remember just sitting on my couch and seeing a commercial for Institute of Culinary Education and being like, why don't I just go for it and just go to culinary school at finally and just realize this dream of mine. So I worked full time and then I went to culinary school on the weekends from seven to seven. I literally did not have a life for a year. Oh my um, God. Yeah, it was, it was rough times. Um, but then, yeah, from there I went, um, started working in restaurants. I kind of knew I, I didn't want to land in restaurants. Like that was not a long-term goal for me. Um, I took a, um, a trail at one of the food, the food 52 test kitchen. And honestly, the test kitchen manager was like, if you want to end up in editorial, you honestly, you have to start in restaurants. There are just things that you cannot learn unless you're working in a restaurant. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, and I also thought I wanted to work in fine dining restaurants and so glad I did not, um the first restaurant I worked in as uh, hearth here in New York in East village. And it's a really small restaurant that just pumps out so much food. And it's just very innovative while also being rooted in um, Italian cuisine.
0: Which restaurant?
3: It, have, oh, it's uh, Marco Canora's restaurant hearth.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I've definitely heard yeah. of that.
3: Yeah. Same, same, like Brodo that whole, that whole family. Um, but yeah. And From there, I then I worked for Gail Simmons as her culinary executive assistant. Um, I got more into recipe development, saw that side of things, brand partnerships. Um, I worked for a meal kit doing recipe development, editing, food styling. So just kind of I bopped around because it's also I think one thing that people don't talk about in general when you get out of college is that it's okay to not like what you're doing and it's okay to not know exactly what you want to be doing. And so it took me a while to just kind of like pick at different things and figure out what, what am I good at? But also like, what do I want to be doing day to day?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I totally get it. I basically had a quarter life crisis. I actually did TV news reporting for five years before I went into food media and I, yeah, just decided I was like, this is what I went to school for. And this is what I always thought I wanted to do. But I changed my mind and don't want to do that anymore. So I, again, totally resonate with what you're saying. And that's, I also ran into that myself when I was trying to break into food media that, you know, I didn't go to culinary school, and I didn't work in restaurants. So it was very hard. I mean, basically, the only thing I had going for me was that it was COVID. So like working, working from home, it was kind of like, okay, I mean, everybody's really just winging it in their own kitchens right now. So that was kind of what really put me in a position to be able to be considered for, you know, the job that I did get at the feed feed, because it was uh, before that it it was kind of like, yeah, you either needed to have worked in a restaurant or gone to culinary school or both. Um, But then like the entire landscape, as you know, shifted into this more like, informal, short form recipe video content style. So I guess I kind of got lucky in that regard. But yeah, I mean, it's really cool that you were able to do that and like cut your teeth in restaurant kitchens in New York and like really have that robust experience, because that's probably if I could do anything, it would probably be that is like actually go to culinary school and actually work in a restaurant and learn that way. But as you know, what you had to sacrifice to do that was insane. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's expensive to go to culinary school. And it's you, you can't do that while you know, to do that while also bringing in income is next to impossible. So I'm not there yet. And I totally admire and respect you for doing that. And I think it's obviously gonna work out for you. And it is working out for you. (laughs) And I'm glad you were able to make that work more power to you for sure. And yeah, you're just doing the darn thing. So you were in the restaurant kitchens you're working for gail simmons and then what how did you end up doing this whole netflix thing and then starting a snack brand right um
3: so at the time um during the pandemic i went from working for this meal kit company to um working for the spruce eats um this online food vertical and i just became entrenched in Different trends, and also I just got really nerdy about what are consumer trends, what are people interested in, whether that's like what they're buying, what they're cooking, the flavor profiles people like, and so I started nerding out a lot around snacks because everyone was snacking during the pandemic, and it was just what was hot at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw I saw this posting for um, they were looking. This person was looking for a judge for a new competition around snacks. And I was like, ah, like I was kind of at this point where I needed something to like reinvigorate my creative side and to kind of focus on because it was, yeah, in the middle of the pandemic. And it was just really hard to <laughs> keep the spirits high when we're all locked indoors. Yeah. Um, and so I applied for this knowing full and well I am not qualified to be a judge. um, but I was like, what do I have to lose? Sent in the application. They came back to me and were like, well, you're not so qualified. I was like, well, that that tracks. But um, they, wanted no, me no, no. To com- they wanted me to compete on the show, to which I immediately said no. Um, that was just not my bread and butter. Um, I just didn't really view myself as a professional chef, uh, professional cook, but not a chef that could go on one of these competitions and really like hold my own. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's just, also, I just, I have like some anxiety issues too, that I'm just like, I don't need to play with this. Why um, <laughs> too close yeah. to the sun? Right. Right. I'm like, I don't need this to be broadcast to the world. Um, oh but they, then they just convinced me. They were like, well, this is, this is going to be on Netflix. Um, like, are you sure it's going to be so fun? Um, and so I was like, you know what? I'm at this point in my life where I feel kind of confident in who I am. And if I was going to do it now is the time. So I just, I went for it. Um, and it was the most terrifying experience, but it, it panned out. <laughs> it worked out for yeah. me.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you like, what was that like? Where you was it scary for you to be in that position? Was it validating for you to then do that and win or what was kind of that experience like for you?
3: Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember my partner at the time loading me into the car to leave to go film. And as soon as we drove away, I just started bawling. (laughs) I was like, what have I done? (laughs) Um, I just didn't feel, and it's funny, I learned what imposter syndrome is, um, while filming this, because my producers were just like, Lauren, you're exceptional at what you do. You're literally like, you're so good. You're so organized. You're so creative. You have imposter syndrome. Like you are so good. And you just refuse to acknowledge it and tell yourself like that you are good at what you do. Um, yeah. So I feel like between being able to hold my own against these chefs that had like 20 plus years of experience and uh, to just be able to compete on that kind of stage and do well, it was really invigorating. And um, I'm trying to think of the right word. It was just, yeah, it was, it was really empowering. Um, And I, I also, I feel like I learned that for me in the past, it was always, I'm the behind the camera person. I worked for Mm -hmm. all the people that do the stuff in front of the camera and I just organize and I, I make the food look nice and all that stuff. Um, and doing the show, I was like, wow, I actually really enjoyed being like the one that's kind of like showcasing all of these things. And from like, since, since the show, I've done so much more video work. Um, I've gotten more involved in culinary production and I actively work as a private chef at this point now too. Um, sometimes on sailing charters around the world just just stuff that I'm just like I would have never thought that I was capable of these things let alone I would be doing these things in addition to yeah having a snack company of all things
1: yeah my gosh (laughs) that's incredible so what are what is the deal with snoods what is that all about what is like the the mantra of what you're doing there
3: yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's not something that was a career goal of mine by any means to start a snack company. Um, I, hands up the sky, I did not have the idea for this pasta or this noodle snack um, until we were filming the show. It was literally like, my producers were like, we're going into the finale, Lauren, you have to like, do you have any idea what you're doing? <laughs> Can you please like share with us maybe? And I was like, I guess it is time for me to actually think about this at this point. Um, And it was just something where like I started making pasta at home a lot more during the pandemic. um, And I've always just loved pasta because I've worked in Italian kitchens and it's just one of my favorite things in life. Um, And so I wanted to kind of create this snack that showcased all of these different, whether they're sauces or flavor profiles that people either don't know about or they might be intimidated by, or maybe they're just not readily available for them to access. Um, And then also in in addition to these different noodle shapes beyond just macaroni and cheese or spaghetti, um, I just find like the world of noodles so fascinating. And it just also is a way for people to connect with these different cultures in a very approachable, accessible way. Um, So that's kind of where the idea stemmed from. Uh, I did do one of the episodes I did a ramen snack. Um, and then in the finale I did this, um, snack noodle. Um, that's a little bit, it's a different, um, snack than what snoods is now. Obviously I've done some work, some more research on, um, you know, what is the most appealing to consumers and kind of like where the, that product landed Um, So at this point now, I just wrapped up my Kickstarter. Um, I have the three launching flavors, which are a basil, pomodoro, rigatoni, a spicy miso ramen, and a cavatappi carbonara. Um, And I'm just finalizing product formulations and packaging designs and everything to hopefully launch uh, first with e-commerce and then in retail stores around New York, um, looking at end of April, May.
1: Well, that's incredible. Congratulations. That's like, again, yeah, it's like you weren't really planning on that. And that's a whole other, you know, realm to get into that I would have genuinely no clue how to pursue that. So more power to you. And I assume it's been kind of a a learning experience along the way. And I can't imagine that being easy. So like, really, congratulations on all that. That's super cool.
3: It is it's a very interesting space, I mean, I will say during the show um we part of the aspect of the the challenges was that we had to make these snacks shelf stable and I've in no way ever worked with preservatives or stabilizers. I don't even know what they like at the time. I had no idea what they did, and so we learned um different aspects of what do these stabilizers do in your food uh how do you activate them, and in addition to just in general like how these different snacks are made. And so it was very much I learned as I did the show. And I took a lot of that into making snoots. But even even after I left the show, I'm like, well, I'm Googling how to start a snack company. Like there are just, there are no like guidelines. It's so hard to figure out where do I start? What do I do next? How am I doing this? Um, and so I, I have had a lot of people within the industry that have been support and I've been able to ask a lot of those questions. I'm currently working with one of the judges, Helen Park, and she's my mentor as I'm trying to launch this, which is, it's incredible that I do have her as a resource. Um, Same, the other judge, Allie, he's also been really helpful with this as well, but it's, I mean, it's the wild, wild west out here. (laughs) It's terrifying.
1: It really is. Well, look at you go. You're doing all the things. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors.
2: This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com what are your
1: like goals and aspirations for all of this looking forward?
3: I mean, that is a great question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm just like,
3: I want to get it off the ground. And if I see my package snack in a retail store, that will be like a dream come true in of in itself. Um, but I mean, long-term, I would just like to be able to produce more lines. I want to be available in retail shelves nationwide and hopefully shipping internationally. um, It's been really great um, having the show snack for chef and having people reach out to me from that and tell me how much they love snacks or love what we did on the show or that they want snoods, but they live in Germany. Um, And so I think, yeah, just being able to be accessible internationally, that's probably the most immediate goal of mine um, Mm -hmm. and just keep growing.
1: Yeah, well, you have a lot on your plate, that's for sure. <laughs> and how does your like, how does your family feel now that this is kind of, I guess they were a little bit not hesitant, but they were like, "Ah, you should probably get a real degree. Um, and my parents for sure would have said the same thing. But what is kind of the response like now from your family at this point?
3: I mean, I am so fortunate in that my family has always been so supportive and just in my corner, no matter what. Um, and so they are just like, of course they're, they're classic. Like we know, we, we always knew that you could do it. You're like such a rock star, just really pumping me up whenever I need it, which is honestly most days, (laughs) most days these days. Um, and my, yeah, between my parents and my brother, they are just like, I don't even need a publicist. They, they're they like constantly on like Instagram <laughs> and the internet, like check out snoods. So they're, they're wonderful.
1: That's incredible. That's, I mean, I'm lucky that my family is the same way. So it's, it's very cool to hear that, but you know, I mean, it really does make all the difference in the world to have that support and be able to do that and pursue things that may be a bit of a gamble. So I, you know, it's it's such a good thing. And I feel like it's really cool that you're able to pursue your passion and live in New York City and do all this stuff and kind of live that that dream of yours that I feel like, you know, you have had for a long time and, you know, what I had for a long time too growing up. And it's kind of cool to see, to see like both of us kind of being inspired by the same things and having similar like paths and like where those paths took us. And very similar, but also very different realms. So it's kind of cool to to hear all of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say I have any idea what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> still, I have
3: no clue. No right, clue. and I, I'm like also paying New York prices. Just you know, yeah. every month is a new surprise. Am I going to make my rent this month? We'll see. Yeah, so, yeah. Still, we're still figuring it out as we go.
1: Oh, Yeah, that's been my one like cheat of the system is that I haven't been living in New York for the past year or so because I was in between leases and whatnot. And it was a pandemic. And I was like, well, I can work remotely. So I moved home with my parents. I'm back in Fort Lauderdale now living with them. And it was supposed to be temporary. And now here we are a year later. So I need to <laughs> get it together. But I mean, I miss New York every day. I literally like I I know what that's like to like basically want to just suck it up and pay and deal with it because of like how great of a city and how great the opportunities are there so I'm sure it's hard to kind of remind yourself like oh this is worth it like I need to be doing this but you know as someone who isn't there anymore and who misses it constantly it's you know I guess it could be worse than being there and kind of like making it work you know what I mean
3: yeah totally I mean I feel like every day I'm just like why do i still live here again but then i look at like where else would i go and then there's there's just so many aspects of new york that you truly you can't get anywhere else at least in america um yeah. between like the public transportation options and i mean yeah just just the like i think the commuting on its own i would stay in new york for
1: yeah So day to day now, I know you kind of are a bit of a jack of all trades in the industry. What is kind of your day to day week to week look like? Are you working primarily on the product side or like the freelance side? Or what is it that you're kind of honed in on most days?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag of things. Um, I still contribute to another, or uh, I still contribute to a number of food sites for recipe development or writing stories, um, different coverage. It could even be like a roundup of the best spring cookbooks coming out. Um, so I do that work. Um, I help some websites with some backend stuff, uh, to pay the bills. (laughs) Um, but I'm also doing in terms of Private chefing, Um, I work for this company called The Sailing Collective, um, and so I take a number of charters. Um, that I take a number of week-long charters between like the Caribbean and the Mediterranean, um, where I get to go and provision and cook in the like on the water, which is amazing. Cool um, meeting a bunch of really great people. Um, I'll probably spend a couple months, um, around Europe this summer because of it. So that's always really great because I honestly haven't traveled that much in my life. So now I get to see all these places that I've always dreamed of and I get paid for it. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, and then just sprinkle some, the snoods all in there, um, constantly working on that, but yeah. And then sometimes, You'll find me in a test kitchen doing food styling work as well or um, recording recipe videos for different verticals. So it's nice. I mean, I being a freelancer, especially in New York, is very difficult. I feel like I enter each month and I'm like, I, I have nothing booked. <laughs> Where is yeah. the money coming from? And it's very much like last minute jobs that end up working out. But it's it's a high stress situation for sure.
1: Oh my God! No, I you're preaching to the choir, Demi. <laughs> that's why I'm not there right now, <laughs> even though I want to be. Um, if only we could like snap our fingers and just like know how it was gonna work. Um, I know. That's what I say every, every day.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> like, okay, if only we could have the answers. But you know, I mean, obviously the hustle's paying off for you. It's working out. You know, you've got a lot of different avenues and are making it happen. And you know, what other? That's what my family always says. They're like, well, you know, you're not you don't have kids, you don't have like a ton of obligations other than like you and your career and everything. So it's the best time possible to like really double down on these things and kind of make it work and pursue that ambition and stuff. So it's kind of like, all right, it's kind of now or never, you know? Right. I mean, I would
3: much prefer to not live with a regret of, oh, I wish I would have taken that leap or I wish I would have done that. And um, it is, I mean, it's scary for those reasons, but I think it pays off more When you're like, wow, I took this huge risk and it worked out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, best of luck to you. And was there anything else important to add about your, like, your culinary journey or your, um, all the different things you've got going on or anything that I haven't asked you about yet? Um, not too much.
3: I mean, I would say if you want to follow along and check out the progress of Snoods, uh, get your hands on a bag. Uh, you can follow along on Instagram at EatSnoods and you can check out our website, EatSnoods.com. Otherwise, uh, you can follow me in my travels around the world and cooking at for various publications at Bodden Bites on Instagram or LaurenBodden.com.
1: Yeah, my gosh. And it's kind of fun. I love hearing you say snoods because it's such like a silly name, but it is really fun.
3: <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's funny, so though, because funny. I I literally thought of it as a placeholder. I don't know how I thought of it. I was just like, I need to have a name for this snack while I go meet with these people. So I'm not just like this, like TBD snack company. And I was working with a branding team and they were like, uh actually we love this name and we think you should keep it so it was just it was very
1: much well, hey. random how it
3: all came out yeah
1: well that's incredible yeah i mean it's very cute thank you it's, yeah it's catchy i think
3: yeah it's a very i want the brand to be really fun and accessible for really all ages i know that can sound a bit cliche but i think that there's like something in it for everyone I will say, I guess one of the things I didn't mention about Snoods is um, it's upcycled, and um, oh, cool. currently, right now, it's it's a very small percentage of the snack that is upcycled because, unfortunately, um, it's not easy to make upcycled snacks. There's just not enough suppliers out there. It's expensive, especially for a startup snack company. So I'm really looking forward to you know building that percentage and just also making like sustainability and eco-friendly packaging, something fun um, and and interesting to people and to kind of put that more in the forefront of people as they are buying products.
1: Really cool. And I feel like that's really pertinent and like important in today's day and age. You know, I feel like that's a lot of, you know, what companies and startups should be thinking about and should be kind of prioritizing. So that's, um, you know, that's really cool to hear for sure.
3: Yeah, I hope I kind of being part of the company is I hope that if we are able to like bring it into more of the spotlight, I think it's definitely a wow word and something that people are looking at as they're shopping more so now these days. But it's it comes with a price tag. I mean, those products are going to be more expensive, but I also think that consumers have to be willing to pay those those prices at least now. So that way, you know, suppliers can also then reach that equilibrium for us so that we can then make our prices lower as it becomes more, um, more accessible for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, really cool, and I'm just excited to watch your journey and see as you know you continue to grow the business and grow yourself and grow your personal brand and you know work on everything you've got going. So yeah, very fun and inspiring to talk to you and hear about everything you've got going on. And I really appreciate you being here and telling me your whole story and the whole spiel and running through it from the beginning till now. So thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for letting me just talk your ear off this whole time. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's the whole point. I love it. I love like hearing your story and kind of learning about it and knowing, you know, what goes into Like I said, being someone who came from a similar background with similar inspirations and similar paths, but that ended up in two kind of different, but kind of similar places. There's just so many possibilities in this realm. Right. And it's it's very fun and interesting to hear about, like, the way that everybody's journey kind of takes them. And, you know, here we are. We found each other this way. So <laughs> it's it's very fun. So I appreciate you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is really cool to hear how, I guess, other people within the industry get to where they are because it is it feels like a very tough industry to break into, but there are like all these different possibilities that are out there. So it's, it is exciting to hear everyone's, uh, journey.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for talking with me. Of
1: course. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about the food and drink discovery platform that is The Feed Feed, head to thefeedfeed.com. If you have a food story to tell or want us to interview a blogger, cookbook author, chef, or restaurateur, we would love your suggestions. Just send us a DM on Instagram. See you next time. The Feed Feed podcast is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.